You are now listening to Testimonies with Terry. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Testimonies with Terry. I'm your host, Terry Skaggs, and you can follow me on social media at TWTerryPod. Well, on this week's episode, I talked to one of my friends from graduate school who is a prolific speaker and is sharing Jesus across the world, one cheese ball at a time. Yes, you heard me correctly. She uses cheese balls to point people towards Jesus. And you'll hear all about how that came to be. And you'll also hear her testimony of coming to know Jesus not just as her Lord and Savior, but friend as well. From there, she goes into detail about her experience of opening up a coffee house and the deep feelings of depression and anxiety that she battled during that season. Overcoming all that, she goes on to share about the fullness in life she has now with her husband Craig and children Poppy and Tal. Recently releasing her book, appropriately named Cheese Balls for Jesus, This woman is continuing to share about the goodness of God in her life with as many people as possible. She's known as the cheeseball chick. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Molly Sanborn's testimony. All right, guys. Well, I am super excited because on the show today, we have speaker and now brand new author, the cheese ball chick, Molly Sanborn. Molly, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. That was the very first time I think ever, Terry, that anyone has said and authors. That is super exciting. Thank you. I wasn't expecting yeah. that. Yeah. How does that feel? How does that feel to be to, to be able Ooh. to have that author label now? Really good. Just like um, more like, oh, I did it. Uh, we did it. God and me did it. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's exciting. Yeah. And we're going to get all into that. I'm excited. Uh, Molly, do you remember how we met? Uh, Yeah. So you and I were both grad students for marriage and family therapy at Liberty University. And we we chose the online route. Yep. Um, Ironically, we met there in Virginia, but we're both from Minnesota. So (laughs) and didn't we get put in the same somehow like cluster or something? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the class that we both had. So yeah, we were doing it online, but then I don't know if they're still doing it with COVID, but at the time they had what's called intensives where we would have to fly out. Yeah, we we would have to fly out to uh, the campus at Lynchburg, Virginia and take essentially a whole class in a week. Yes. And if... Yeah. And if memory serves correct, I think one of them, at least I was out there for a couple of them, but I think the one that you and I met in might've been the like human sexuality class. Yeah. That that, ring a bell. Yes. And that was, that was a great one. Absolutely. I can't, yeah, I took that class too. I can't remember which one it was, but I do know that I did have my cheese balls with me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You, you, you never leave home without it, it seems. And so Let's get into that, Molly. Yes, okay. you are known as the cheeseball chick. So yes. let's let's just get into that right away. How did that come to be? Okay, so well, let me just show you super quick how it works. 
There you go. There's a cheese ball on my floor, which my kids will find later or my cat. Amazing. And it's, a back, it's a backpack. So, and then it's a dispenser. But so what happened was I was speaking at a youth event in ironically Virginia, but way before I went to Liberty. So I was in Virginia beach, Virginia, speaking at a huge youth conference. I was actually giving my keep your pants on message. So I speak on many topics now to many different audiences, all different ages. But at that time, it was the sexual integrity message, keep your pants on. And I was at this conference with other speakers and bands and musicians, and they had a hospitality room where they were feeding us the whole weekend. How nice of them. And at the end of the weekend, there was this giant container of cheese balls. Not this one, that would be super stale, but a giant (laughs) container of cheese balls only halfway you know, finished. And someone said, Oh, we have to throw all the snacks away unless someone wants the cheese balls. I did not volunteer because that's a lot of cheese balls. And that's really bulky as I'm walking through the airport with my other luggage. Right. But my sister had recently told me to keep my eye out for big storage bins for her three little boys and their toys. And so I was like, I'll take the cheese balls because I'll empty them out later, eat them, whatever. And then I'll get the container. So that's how it started. So I'm walking through the, through the Virginia Beach Airport with the container tucked under my arm and I'm wheeling my luggage along and minding my own business. And it did not take long for me to realize that everyone was staring at me and then they were laughing. And at first I was okay because I'm an extrovert and I was like smiling, whatever. But then it was like, is, is my fly down? Am I trailing toilet paper? Is there something in my teeth? And then I realized it was the cheese balls that were making everyone laugh and smile. Then I got to the security checkpoint, put them through the x-ray machine. They got stopped by the security guards. Like, what is that? They surround them. I'm thinking, oh, it was fun while it lasted, but um, they're going to take them. No, they just were laughing and smiling, cracking jokes. And everyone was so happy because I had cheese balls. Then I get on the plane and I'm sitting in my seat holding my cheese balls, minding my own business. And over the intercom, mid-flight, for the entire airplane to hear, the flight attendant says, ladies and gentlemen, if any of you are hungry, there's a cheese ball lady with snacks in aisle 9D or seat 9D. Oh, my God. <laughs> so everyone now knows me on the plane. He announces me two more times, three times total on the flight. It started these conversations because people would say, why do you have so many cheese balls? And I'd say, oh, I just I was given them at a conference I was speaking at. And then they'd say, what were you speaking about? And I'd say, Jesus. And so it was cheese balls to Jesus in less than 10 seconds. I didn't have to do anything. It literally led to spiritual conversations. Then I get to the Chicago O'Hare Airport and I'm walking the five miles across the corridor to catch my other flight. People are yelling, cheese ball girl, cheese ball chick, cheese ball lady. Hey, you were on my flight. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's me, I guess, because I have cheese balls. At the gate for my next flight, I talked with a, a young woman approached me because of the cheese balls, started the conversation. And the next thing you know, I'm inviting her to my church in Minneapolis and she comes. And so wow. I went home and told my friends over dinner one night how funny it was. Mind you, I was in my mid-20s, by the way. I was not 13. Like, <laughs> a mature adult. And, just to clarify. Right, just to clarify. I, I, Yeah, anyways. So I told my friends the story how cheese balls brought the world together, or at least a couple airports and airplanes. <laughs> One of my friends said, you should carry cheese balls around and see how God uses it. Spread joy. And I'm not one to turn down a dare. Never did I ever imagine it would turn into what it has. Initially, it was just kind of a fun thing. I made a duct tape backpack, put the container in it, strapped it on my back, wore it to Rosedale Mall in the cities. And I learned pretty quickly there's a fine line between being creepy and unique. 
And I like mm-hmm. to go with the latter. And so I don't go up to people and be like, eat my snacks. Because we're taught not to do that, right? Right. So I wait for people to approach me. And oh my goodness, they do. When you wear snacks on your back, like they will come. And people came that first time and I had great conversations. Why are you doing this? I would just say, just to make you smile and then see where the conversation goes, right? And, but no one wanted to eat the snacks because of, you know, how many hands have been in here? So that's when I right. decided... I needed to create a sanitary dispensing system where the lid stays sealed and you can eat cheese walls germ-free. And with the help of my brother and Jim at Home Depot, who's still very good friends. Shout um, out to Jim. Oh, Jim. He's, yes, he's amazing. Uh, We created the cheese ball dispenser and this now has been on 187 different containers over the last 13, 14 years. I've worn them to 33 states and seven countries. I wore them as a contestant on the TV show Wipeout. That hurt really bad. <laughs> I did not win $50,000, but it oh, was man. fun and funny and painful. I wore them I wore them on my first date with my husband. Oh my goodness. He asked me out again. I think we should all tell Craig good job for that. Yes. I wore them at my wedding, but not down the aisle because there are some boundaries. Yes. And um, really, the, the heart behind it is 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever, anything, minus sin, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So I wear cheese balls for the glory of God. And, and yeah, now I, yeah, it's, and that's when we first met is I had my cheese balls and you probably ate one or two. I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Like, I, I think you offered me some, and I don't think I even really like batted an eye at first. You know, it, just the sight of you wearing cheese balls. Like, for some reason, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take a cheese That's ball. Great. Oh, you're my kind of person. <laughs> yes. But how how amazing is that, Molly? Like, for God to, I mean, this is just evidence that God can and does use anything to reach people, even a jar of cheese balls. And man, Molly, what would you say has been, I don't know, are there any interactions that stand out to you throughout all these years of wearing the cheese balls where it was just like, wow, because of wearing that backpack full of cheese balls, I have this just like insane spiritual God led encounter with someone. Does, Does anything stand out to you? Well, it's hard to pick, actually. And uh, and and so I don't have to tell them all because it's my first chapter in my book is Jesus yeah. Calls for Jesus is chapter one. But, but one of my favorite stories is I was wearing them in a mall and my friend and I were walking this way and a group of teenage girls walking this way and they were tattooed and pierced and, and really would have called themselves a grunge style group of girls. And they did not give me the time of the day as I walked by. I mean, I didn't, I didn't wave or be like, Hey, I have cheese balls, but just, they didn't notice me and that's fine. But then as they passed me, I know they saw the cheese balls because I heard giggling and laughing. And then I heard cheese balls, cheese balls. And so I hear that I respond to cheese balls more than Molly actually. <laughs> so I turn around and I say, Hey, do you want some cheese balls? And we end up spending the next hour or two in the mall, the security guard had to close down. He had to close down our conversation, but he also did eat some cheese balls. So he was roped in. It was so fun. So I end up talking with these three girls with my friend. They're at the time, 
middle to late teens. And that's my heart. I love teens. I love teen girls. And we were talking about really significant life things. Like, how are you doing? And they're struggling and, and we're talking about God. And so it was a great conversation. We left. I don't think I got their contact information, but I took a picture and asked their permission to post on social media. And so I did. And um, not a day or two later, my friend Stacy, who happens to be a counselor at a school, calls me and says, Molly, I just I saw your picture of you and Helen at the mall with your cheese balls. And 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 then I talked to her and I got permission for me to call you. You know, she cleared all the consents we know about therapy and counseling and all those, you know, yep. right stuff. So she did all the proper things, got Helen's permission. And she said she's been praying that Helen would find a mentor. And before she even asked me, I said, yes, I will mentor Helen. And so because we met in the mall with cheese balls, we went on to have a several year relationship where we would meet. She came to an all girls retreat at a camp that I spoke at with, oh my goodness, Barlow Girl. You remember yeah. the band Barlow yeah. Girl? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a long time ago. And <laughs> it was there that she gave her life to Christ. So, I mean, wow. cheese balls, literally cheese balls to Jesus, cheese balls for Jesus. He will use anything. It's oh, it's been a ride. I yeah. love it. I love it, Molly. It, you have an incredible story, and I'm I'm excited to delve even deeper into it. So let's kind of start way at the beginning. We've already talked about how we're both Minnesotans. Yes, and uh, so where did you grow up in Minnesota, Molly? I grew up in Minneapolis. That is my that was my city. And uh, grew up in a family of uh, three other siblings. So I was the third. So it goes girl, boy, girl, boy. So I was sandwiched between two boys. And I think I owe them, um, you know, credit for teaching me to be tough and a bit of a tomboy. And yet I had my sister to help me also know how to be a woman. And so I'd like to think that I owe it to my siblings to I have a nice mix of I don't mind getting dirty. Um, but I also appreciate, you know, the way God gave God made me as a woman. And so um, growing up, lots of fun with my siblings, my parents, um, strong Christian family. And so had the privilege from a young age to be able to uh, learn about God and know God and accept him as my savior really when I was a young girl. Uh, but it was probably my middle school years where things really were solidified for me. Thanks to the bullies. I don't know if you relate, if you've ever been there, <laughs> but um, I was living a great life, had tons of friends at my small Christian school, felt like I was everyone's friend. Everyone was my friend. I was the girl that I could not have a birthday party and not invite everyone because I didn't want anyone to feel left out. So come around seventh, eighth grade, uh, un some unfortunate circumstances led to me being the one left out. And in a small school, that's really hard. I felt like yeah. I had one or two friends. And so I praise God and thank God for that trial because it was in that time that I started really connecting with him as my friend and as my comfort. And, and I owe it to a camp counselor from Village Creek Bible Camp, my home camp where I grew up going in Lansing, Iowa. Our church would go there every summer. When I was in middle school, I had Carla Bolin as a counselor, different name now, Carla Triggs. But at the time, she was she was a really cool older teenager, you know, like, oh, I want to be like Carla. And one day she sat all of us girls down 
in the cabin. She's sitting cross-legged on her bed and she pulls out some paper, like a notebook. And she tells us how she connects with God through journaling. And I had known about diaries. I think I probably had one, probably wrote like two and a half pages in it, you know, and dear diary, I ate broccoli today. It was gross, whatever. I never really connected with my diary, but she talked about how she would write her prayers out to God. Dear Jesus, hey God, hello Lord, hi Father, whatever, and sign her name and and write her thoughts and her prayers and her worries and her praises. And so probably mostly because I wanted to be like Carla, I started journaling letters to Jesus when I was 12. And oh, that was so foundational for me. Like when I think about my testimony and I think about how I've come to know God and now have a desire to make him known, it it really, I think it goes back to these journals. And I have some, Terry. Can I read? <laughs> wow. Yes, please. Let's let's hear a 12-year-old Molly here. Oh, Lord, this is a blast from the past. Okay, so I wrote, this was, I was actually at camp. I was at a youth retreat. And I said, dear Jesus, guess what? I'm sure God was like, please fill me in, Molly. Yeah, he was surprised. (laughs) He was surprised. I'm informing the creator of the world. Uh, I said, Justin isn't here. Okay, I liked Justin. I'm going to be honest. And then I said, I'm so sad. Tony isn't either. Uh, Yeah, I like two boys at once. I know. It just, yes. Okay. But I'm telling God, that's the thing is I'm talking to God about it. And that's what got me close to him is telling him about my crushes, all the stuff. So I said, you know how I'm disappointed in a bunch of stuff. Please help it all work out and everything. I trust you will help me. Okay, now this is a part I'm getting really vulnerable with God and whoever's listening here. Yeah. I said, 12-year-old Molly says, and please help my shorts dry out and not smell by tomorrow. And then in parentheses, I said, you know what happened. Okay. (laughs) Seriously, Terry. I cannot, it's like, it must be blocked out. It must've been such a traumatic middle school experience. I can't, I don't know if I pooped in my pants, peed in my pants, sat in someone else's poop, fell in the horse manure. I don't know what happened, but I talked to God about it. And I told him about the boys I liked and how sad I was and please help my shorts dry out. And it's so fun for me, honestly, now to read through these. Oh, this one's hilarious. I said, God, I feel kind of bad because whenever I think a boy may like me, I find out they don't like me more than a friend. Or they like someone else. And then I said to God, is there any way you can get a nice? And then in parentheses, I said, cute, if you want. (laughs) Christian boy to like me. And hey, 14, 15 years later, God delivered. And then there's ones in here. Here I said, please help the zits on my face go away, especially the one under my nose. So (laughs) I like they're silly, but I that started me talking to God and talking to God like a friend. And knowing that he's always listening and knowing that um, there's no problem too big or too small that he's not willing to hear and to help me with. So I am thankful for that opportunity in middle school to feel a little bit left out and alone and ended up going on to be great friends with those girls who were not so nice to me and finished high school, great, thriving, all of that. But it was that time in my life where I really started making my faith my own and became a leader in the youth group and at at church and things like that. After high school, I felt called to go to Youth with a Mission, YWAM, Um, wonderful, amazing organization that does missions work all over the world, but also they really do well at discipleship and teaching evangelism. And so I went through a discipleship training 
program um, school in Arkansas. And then I went and did missions work in China and Turkey and Mexico, just fresh out of high school. And that really uh, also grew my faith. And I had a desire at that time to uh, just go spread the gospel wherever and when and however. And at that time in my life, I think I thought that I was going to be a foreign missionary. So I went, came back to Minneapolis and felt God called me to go to North Central University to become equipped to to do something for mission. So I picked elementary education because there's kids all over the world. So, hey, I could be a teacher. And um, so that's what I did. But it was during it was during college, I was introduced to a crisis pregnancy center in the cities and was invited to be one of their first speakers for abstinence in the public schools. And like, oh my goodness, that's kind of a big, like, that seems like kind of a hard job, but God made it very clear that he was calling me to it. And so I got trained as a speaker, developed a message, would go into public schools and I would speak I would speak in every health class for an entire day, sometimes up to seven classes in a row. And I loved it and God affirmed it and teachers would affirm it. And so it became pretty clear that God was calling me into speaking. And so I kept taking opportunities to speak, which led to speaking on other topics. And I just felt more alive than any other time in my life when I was telling people the truth from God's word, whether I can say it was from God's word or not. That's the thing is I thought I'd be really handicapped in public schools because you can't say Jesus, but right. Jesus is in me. And so he's, he's shining, like he's coming out, you know? I love it. And um, there was this one time, this girl, this, this girl wrote me a message and she said, thanks for speaking at my school. Really appreciate what you said. I just, I don't know if this guy loves me or not. And I don't know like how, like what is love exactly? So I'm like, ding, 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 1 Corinthians 13. So I wrote out the whole scripture for her, but I didn't initially write the reference. And she wrote back and she said, that is the most beautiful definition of love I have ever heard. So I'm like, I can't take credit for that. That's actually from the Bible and God is love. And at this point we can talk now because we're outside of school, but God did amazing things through the relationships I built through kids in, in those schools and like I said, I just felt so alive being able to represent God's good plan for people, his best plan for people. And whether or not they have um, gone a different path to be able to be a voice to say, hey, you can just come right back on. And and the, the language is different in a public school, right? Maybe talking more about healing than redemption and forgiveness. But as a Christian, I know that Um, God is capable of helping people have the biggest comeback stories in life, no matter what they've been through, what has happened to them, what choices they've made. And so I love partnering with God to help people know their value and their worth, regardless of where they've been, what they've done. And it, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so clear that you have a heart to reach the lost and that you just want to love. Like I, I, I just, as you were speaking, I was just uh, imagining, or I had a picture in my mind of just like you being like squeezed and all that was coming out was love. Like you, Aww. you just, you just overflow with it, Molly. And a couple of things I want to unpack first. I think that it, it's amazing that you still have all your letters or your diaries oh, from yeah. when you were a teenager, like how, how, 
Yeah. Yeah. How precious is that? I mean, and that's like the definition of like childlike faith right there, mm-hmm. right? You know, talking to God about your zits and, yeah. and the boys that you like. And I mean, that's just being a child and, and talking to Papa. And I yeah. love that. And uh, man, what a, what a cool uh, memento to maybe pass down to your daughter, you know, yeah. to read at some point. And then after high school, you went to uh, YWAM and mm. you went on missions. And so what was that like, you know, going to China, going to Mexico? I mean, like you said, you're fresh out of high school. Right, right. Putting these new foreign lands. What was that like for you, Molly? Yeah. So, well, going to China was eye-opening to me in, on so many levels. Uh, I never forget uh, that time where I had... I had prayed probably in a journal. I could probably find it somewhere. Yeah, actually, I remember I, I wrote down while in China, I wrote, God, please break my heart for these people. Like, I want to care more than I do, because I'll be honest, I I can pass people all the time on the, the road in the street or whatever. And I don't think I quite always fully grasp just how much God loves them. And I want to want that. And so I asked the Lord just to to make me love people more and to understand their value. And God answered in such a crazy way in China. And I was just 19 years old and walking down a street, uh, going to get ice cream in between some of the evangelism shows that we were putting on show, but people thought it was a show. We were presenting the gospel through some drama on the streets. Actually, I think it was in Hong Kong. We were in Hong Kong and then going back and forth. But anyways, foreign country, heading towards McDonald's. And um, we go up these outdoor stairs and immediately my eyes caught an image of a man who was, I don't even know if you can say he was sitting on the ground. He was on the ground and he had um, no limbs or yeah, no limbs. And he, he was leaned up against something and he was kind of like banging his head on a pot and that's where people would put the money. And I mean, I'd never seen anything like that in my life, yeah. you know, and I just kind of I was telling myself, oh, don't stare, don't stare, don't stare. But that image, I just needed to see it for half a second for it to never, ever be able to leave my mind. And as I walked past and we were going to get ice cream, I was like, I'm not in the mood for ice cream anymore. <laughs> like That is heartbreaking. And but in that moment, God I can't even explain it exactly, except to say that he was showing me, and I was sure of it, that that was the picture of of people's souls who don't know him. Like just, they, they, they can't function. They are helpless. They need the Lord. And so he showed me a physical picture of, of people's hearts who don't know him. And for me, it was it was very pivotal in my faith. And I thank God for that and pray for that man and saw other disturbing type images like that throughout my travels. But um, God reminding me that no matter what someone's physical disabilities or lack of limbs or whatever it is, or depression or mental health issues may be, that um, he can fill the void that we're all longing for no matter how Amen. well we are put together or not. So, and it was also in China that um, I really developed an appreciation for God's word because part of our mission was to help bring God's word to China, which was pretty exciting. So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, man, what a powerful experience that was. It sounds like it forever marked you. Mm -hmm. And when you returned stateside, you went to North Central, started going for uh, elementary education or early mm -hmm. education, yep. early childhood oh, education. Yeah. Okay, yeah. elementary education. And uh, this opportunity comes up for you to start uh, speaking on abstinence. And since then, I mean, you've gone on to become like a prolific speaker, Molly. Like, I, I love listening to you. When did you kind of realize that you have that gift for public speaking? Was that something that you kind of realized in middle school, high school, or was it kind of being thrown in the fire doing these abstinence talks that yeah. it, it kind of was revealed to you that, man, I'm, I'm good at this? Good question. I would say both. You you brought me back to a, a sweet memory, Terry. Thank you for asking. You're good at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes I forget. I was 16 years old and I was at a mega rally is what they were called at Bethel College. My youth group had gone to uh, Bethel College in the cities, Bethel University now. And it was just a big fun night of, you know, you got a cool band, you got a great, engaging, dynamic speaker talking about God. And I sat out in the crowd as a 16-year-old girl who, at that time in my life, hadn't really been through a lot of really hard things. I mean, the bullying, yes, but I'd got past that and felt like I had a pretty you know, non-exciting life, but I love Jesus. And I heard the speaker on stage just engaging with people and talking about his checkered past and all these bad things he had done and how God came through and he rescued him and, and set him on the right path and all the redemption and forgiveness. And people are weeping and, you know, snots falling from their faces. And we're all moved by this guy's testimony. And I remember sitting in there, I can even see where I was in the auditorium. And I remember having the thought, man, I would love to do that someday. I'd love to, to speak to anyone and any, everyone who would listen about how great God is, but I don't have a story. I don't have a story. And so that is what I went away from that night, but I sat shotgun in the youth group van next to my youth pastor, Jeff, and thank the Lord for his wisdom and I guess my choice to tell him how I felt, I, t I unpacked that for him. I said, Jeff, I'd love to do that someday, but I don't have a story. I haven't been through all that hard stuff. And and uh, he chastised me. Like he was like, he semi-gently, but enough, seriously enough for me to be like, oh, okay. He put me in his in my place. And he said that people need, that God's grace is just as evident in my life from keeping me close to him as much as it is in people's story of bringing them to him in times of them wandering away. And that was just yeah. a significant moment for me. And, and I think what the enemy wanted was to silence me and to, to see that I was this passionate teenage girl about the Lord, but try to say, you have nothing to share. There, what do you have to offer? But thank the Lord and my youth pastor for speaking the truth. And so then, yeah, fast forward, YWAM speaking um, I was nearing graduation and um, from college and was like, well, now what, Lord? I feel I did. I feel at that moment, God had confirmed enough times through enough people that I really felt like I was supposed to be doing speaking. But at the time, it was mostly volunteer. Maybe I'd pay my gas money, but I also needed to pay rent for an apartment and pay back my school loans and, you know, like be an adult, like actually live in the world. And so knowing I was called to ministry and speaking, um, I was very surprised that my dad approached me and said, hey, I would like you to pray about designing and developing a coffee shop in 
our empty warehouse that mom and I have for real estate. And I'm like, are you, are you kidding me, dad? I don't, I have an elementary education degree and I don't drink coffee and I'm called to ministry speaking. This is, this is the furthest thing that God could be calling me to. And he said, well, you pray about it. Okay. I prayed about it. God confirmed in some undeniable ways. You've read the story. It's in the book. Um, And, and initially I said yes, because God had hooked us up with a woman who had a culinary degree and a business degree, and she was going to take the coffee shop and run it. I just had to get it started and designed and developed on its feet. And then the deal was my parents said, if I did that, they'd pay off my school loan so that I could be positioned debt-free to just go wherever God wanted, you know, didn't have the financial burden of paying my school loans. I could, you know, live on peanut butter and jelly and ramen noodles if I needed to. And, and so it was this great deal from God and my parents to open this coffee shop. And I had the backing of this woman who was qualified. That was a thing. I didn't feel qualified at all. It was out of my comfort zone, 100%, but she was there. She was there for the first three months of build out until unfortunate things happened and she started spending money on the credit card. And oh, oh I, had to, I had to fire our first employee before we even opened. And she was older than me and smarter than me and had all the. So then we were in full swing of development and um, build out. And basically, I went from being really excited about this process. I was still able to speak a little bit, say yes to speaking engagements, to having to say no to speaking engagements, which were now going to be paid gigs. And the last speaking engagement I took was at a bigger church in the cities for a youth group. And it was the last one on the calendar because the coffee shop was going to be opening soon. And I got done speaking again, felt so like this is what I'm called to, but now I can't do it because I haven't <laughs> opening this coffee shop by myself. I felt like, and the youth pastor came up to me and said, why aren't you speaking full time? And like yelling at me, like, like, why aren't you doing this? I said, I'm opening a coffee shop. And he said, why? I said, I know I'm wondering the same thing. And I blamed it on God. So speaking ended right then for that season, I grew really depressed and never in my life, like you would, you know, right. You're, you're, you're a counselor and I have that heart and I, I have the degree from Liberty and, and I know now how real depression is. Um, but I, I almost think I had to go through it to really understand how debilitating, how crippling anxiety, like up until that point in my life in my mid twenties, I knew what anxiety was before a test or when, when I got nervous in front of a boy that I liked or boys, according to the journal, (laughs) (laughs) but, but the, um, depression and the anxiety that I felt, I would go to bed crying. I'd wake up crying. I lost 15 pounds. I found it hard to smile. I felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. Now, mind you, my parents saw me, you know, whatever, wasting away and said, Molly, get, you know, they had backed it financially. It was their investment, but I was kind of the key person. And I knew that if I walked away, it was kind of done. But they said, you can walk away. We care more about you and your health and your emotional state and your mental health and your spiritual state. But there was something, or I should say someone inside me that was just telling me to keep going. 
And and I, I don't have the journals in front of me now, but there are some dark journal entries from that time of like, I want to give up. I had suicidal thoughts. And, and, and you know, I, I'm the person that people would describe as bright and cheery and smiley and and full of laughter and fun. And it, Molly was gone. Like it was it was a tough, lonely place. I did have wonderful support around me, though, and I, I did grab this. My mom would pack brown paper bags of food because I wasn't eating because I was so depressed. And she'd send it to the coffee shop, which wasn't quite open yet, but we were almost open. And she'd, she'd send, she'd send um, in these exact bags. I saved the bags full of food. I didn't always eat the food inside, but I always read the outside. Wow. And this is my mom's handwriting in Sharpie marker. And it's all scripture. She just puts my name in it. Have I not commanded you, Molly, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. And then she, she writes more. I have here. I have, oh, I love this one. Only a mom can say this. This is the day the Lord has made and Molly will rejoice and be glad <laughs> in it. Psalm 118, 24. And then she says, whether she feels like it or not. So, oh man, but God's word is a lamp to my feet and I needed it. And, oh, God came through in a, in a miraculous way. I was at rock bottom and I was literally crying on my floor and, and said to God, if you want me to run a coffee shop the rest of my life, I will. Um, Overflow had opened and, and it had been opened four weeks. Everyone loved Overflow. It was like the new hottest spot in the Twin Cities. We got an award from the mayor. It was overflowing with people, literally. I wanted no one to come. And... Um, I was laying on my floor one day needing to get back to the shop and my mom was on my phone, uh, on the phone with me praying scripture over me because I felt really vulnerable, like really in a dark place. And at that moment, I'm glad I, God like led me to call my mom and she was encouraging me, speaking truth over me. And I said, God, if you want me to run a coffee shop the rest of my life, I will. And then I reached out to grab something and I blew my nose into a pair of underwear I didn't know. I couldn't see at the moment. My, my glasses were off. And that's when I knew I hit rock bottom. Went, went to the coffee shop, checked my email, got an email from a woman who introduced herself as the coffee shop manager and uh, of, of a shop not far from where we were. And she said, I just came across your website, which was the first clue that this was God because our website wasn't working for anyone. She found us in a Google search. It was really, truly a miracle. She said, it doesn't look like you need any help. Like, are you serious? She said, but I I feel God's leading me to change a position. Can I meet you? Blah, blah. She said, I'm looking for somewhere to pour my blood, sweat, and tears. And I said, great, because mine are spent. And um, we met her that day, hired her that day, found out that the exact, exact moment that I was on my bedroom floor, broken down, blowing my nose into my underwear, crying out to God. Um, She was in her truck across town crying, called her dad and, and knew that she was supposed to be somewhere else, but didn't know where it was. And so we were both crying out to God at the same time. I asked her, did you blow your nose into your underwear? (laughs) That's where our story differed. Good for her. (laughs) And, and, and God delivered in that moment. And, but this is like the the biggest takeaway for me is I believe the Lord allowed me to go through that 
And for that woman that we originally thought she was my security, I didn't feel qualified. And God wanted to show me that he can take unqualified people to do big things. I mean, it's all throughout the Bible, right? I just thought he had enough stories. I'm like, you don't need another one, God. But <laughs> I learned to rely on him to call out. I also now can really identify with people who are have, you know, depressing thoughts and, and anxiety because I've been there and it's hard. And yet God brought me through and I'm stronger and closer to him because of it. And in, in that season, I was really sure that God was going to bring my future husband into my life. I was 26 at the time. I had been journaling letters to Jesus about my future husband forever. And I was like, this will be perfect. He'll come into my life and save the day. He'll run the coffee shop and let me escape. And and he'll be an entrepreneur, coffee drinking kind of guy. And God held off and did not let me meet my husband until I had gone through that season just me and the Lord. And that strengthened my faith. And then a year later, I met Craig, wore my cheese balls on our first date. He's a youth pastor guy, has been our whole marriage until recently. He just transitioned to a new position of student ministries director over a bunch of different churches. So he's like a pastor to youth pastors, but we we both love youth. He's a speaker as well. Amazing, cool God story, how we met, how we came together. Now we get to partner in ministry. We've been married 13 years We love to tag team, speak together to youth, to parents. Now recently have been asked to join um, Family Life's Weekend to Remember Marriage Conference as speakers. And so, and we have two kids and yep, God is good. He is so good, man, Molly. Like, I mean, your life is just a testament of that. Going back a little bit here, that that whole season with overflow, I think that's a great example of, of the phrase that, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Like you said, you didn't have a background in that. You went to school for elementary education, not to, you know, design and and get this coffee house up and running. And so what advice would you have, Molly, for anyone that maybe they're kind of in that position that you were in? They're in this season of life where they're at a job that God's grace has not lifted from that, Mm -hmm. that they're they're there. And even though they don't want to be there, they do feel the tug of the Holy Spirit saying, no, you need to, you need to yes. be there. You need to, you need to go through this. What advice would you have for them to just push through? Oh, yes. Well, first be honest with God because he already knows how you're feeling. So like, tell him, write it down. If you need to speak it out, yell it. Yelling is okay. God can handle that. Um, he's used to lots of emotions. He's a very steady God and he can handle that. But also I would say, I like to think of God, you know, God is here. He's Emmanuel, God with us. But I also like to picture him with the up, upward view or up, whatever we want to call it, the view, view from above. And you think of bird's eye view. Yes. Thank you. Like there's a word for it. So we're in, you know, full swing and fall here. I haven't been to a corn maze yet this year. Have you? There's Not yet. There's some good ones. And, you know, you could get lost in a corn maze for hours because all you see is what is right in front of you. And you're like, wait, didn't I just hit that wall? Wait, that scarecrow looks familiar. That pumpkin, that ear of corn looks familiar. And and how nice would it be, right, if you're in a corn maze, if you had someone from up above with like, you know, a megaphone or something telling you which way to turn and where to go to ultimately get to the end. And I, in these seasons of not understanding why I'm feeling like I'm, you know, on a merry-go-round or going in the same thing or just staring at the same wall and I don't want to be here. 
I think of God with that bird's eye view. Thank you. And, and how he knows what's ahead and he knows how to get there. And he knows the very best path to take, which might be longer than what we would like, but there's going to be treasures along the way, which may come in packages disguised, right? Like as hard times, but good things come from perseverance. We learn that from, from Romans and from James that we can rejoice in our sufferings because perseverance brings maturity. And, um, and so I like to think of God up there directing me, telling me where to go. And there, there's times though I don't know that I'm, he- I don't always feel like I'm hearing his voice, but I know that he sees and he hears and he knows the final destination. And that's something that brings me comfort in those times. Yeah. It's just staying close to the heart of the father. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, even if you're not hearing his voice, mm-hmm. continuing to speak to him and keeping those ears open because he will speak, he will yes. speak when he wants to speak. Right. Yes. And, um, man, so that whole season you go through Molly, obviously, uh, a hard season, but you're able now to look back and be like, man, I'm actually, I don't know, would it be fair to say that I'm glad I went through that season oh. now? 100%. I mean, I would not, <laughs> I wouldn't trade it for anything. I am so thankful that God allowed me to go through that uh, because I, I learned 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, when I am weak, he is strong. And and I, I can't fully understand his strength if I feel like I have it all together. Yeah. And, yeah. and even in the last couple of years, something has come up um, just in, in our extended family that has been a real significant struggle. And I can't go into details. And the good news is the details aren't important. What's important is that this trial that we're experiencing as a family is is not a surprise to God. That's reassuring, right? He knows. And like that corn maze, he knows the way out. And he knows along the way, there's going to be truths that we glean that we wouldn't have if we wouldn't have been stuck in that maze. (laughs) And sometimes I feel like I'm stuck in a maze and it's hard. But because I have those stories from the past, the being bullied in seventh grade, learning to stick close to Jesus, the amazing adventures and, and heartbreaking experiences on the mission trips that I went through, and being able to see the testimonies of students coming to know the Lord through the messages I've been able to share and then overflow that whole season of literally wanting to die, but thank the Lord, he kept me going. Because of those things, in the midst of this hard season, I'm able to remember God's faithfulness. And he says that over and over again to his people, the Israelites, right? Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Remember, 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 tell it to your children, tell it to your grandchildren. Remind them how I parted the Red Sea and how I led you by a cloud and a pillar of fire. And so um, I, the older I get, the more I, the, when these hard times come, it doesn't make them easier at all. It just, there's, there's more of a peace knowing, okay, here we go again, but I know God can work all things together for good. Romans eight twenty eight. God can take my mess and turn it into a message. He can take our test and turn it into a testimony, you know, amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's exactly it. Like you said, just having that peace, yeah. right? Even though we don't know what's what's going on and what the future looks like, just that peace of knowing, but God does. And yes. he's a good dad who mm-hmm. is not going to lead me anywhere for 
my my bad for my destruction. He's yep. going to lead me into places, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, right? He has yep. plans for, you know, a future and a hope for us. And yep. so it's it's so cool how, how you're able to look back at that season and see the positives in it now. You mentioned shortly after the whole overflow experience, you met Greg. You met your oh, husband. I know. I just and, breathed over that. <laughs> yeah. And and so let's maybe get into that. And and you, you talk a lot in depth about it in the book, obviously, but um, maybe give us a little bit on how you guys met and what oh. that all looked like. Well, that was another God thing. So uh, Craig is nine years older than me. So I was 26 and he was 35 when we met. And people always were like, well, was he married before? Was he divorced? Like they just can't imagine there was this single really quality guy like that had still was on the market, whatever. And um, so that's a question I got. And yeah, no, he actually several years before he met me, he had to sit his mom down, his sweet, love the Lord, praying mama and say, mom, there's a difference between being alone and lonely you can stop praying that God brings me a wife. <laughs> like he really asked her to stop praying. I don't think she did because I came along. But he he was truly had learned eventually. I mean, he, you know, if he was here, he would tell you, oh, there was a season of, you know, really longing for that companionship for sure. And but he eventually got to a place in his life where he was really truly very content doing life with the Lord and had to tell his mom, it's okay. Stop praying. I'm okay. I'm not lonely. I'm alone. Like I don't have a person I'm living with a wife, but me and God are good. So I think maybe Craig needed to get to that point before God introduced us. (laughs) And, and so he was minding his own business as a youth pastor in Long Prairie, Minnesota, small town, two hours North of the cities, you know, Amish yeah. country, yeah. Yes, it is, right? Not like what an hour from you. Right. Yeah. My wife actually grew up in Wadena and so pretty close to uh oh, yeah. Long Prairie. Yep. Yes. Yep. So that's where Craig was, not from he wasn't from there, but he was a youth pastor there. And I was down in the cities and I had at this time I had recently done the overflow thing. God had brought me out of that season and I was back into speaking, like starting to speak full time and um, really thriving and and feeling excited about life, but still journaling to the Lord quite often about my future husband. But also would say, I think I got, I was at a point where I would be able to say I was content, but my phrasing was more like, God, I am content, but please bring a guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I just knew, I knew, I just knew that God had wired me to be married someday. So I didn't want him to forget. So I kept reminding him. <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing my thing, speaking in schools. And um, one of the schools that I spoke at was Eden Prairie High School, pretty big school in the cities in their health classes. And the teacher was a Christian and she had seen me over the years grow in my gift of speaking. And so she's like, Molly, you you just got to keep doing this. And I see God using you. I want to introduce you to my friend, Heather, who's the middle school pastor at Wooddale Church. And she's a phenomenal communicator and speaker. She speaks all over the country. We need to have you guys meet. Okay, so that was on the calendar for a couple months out. And meanwhile, Craig was in Long Prairie minding his own business and single, content. And he gets a text message one night from a friend who says, would you ever consider dating someone nine years younger than you? And he didn't have a moment to respond. And the the text said, go to mollybarnhart.com, my speaking website at the time, maiden name. So he goes and he's intrigued at first, but then he hits 
a tab called fun stuff. Oh gosh. <laughs> I never I never built my website for my future husband to get his first impression of me that way. <laughs> I put all these stupid, ridiculous, obnoxious videos of me doing crazy things because I want teenagers to know you can have fun in life, all natural. And Christians yeah. should have the funnest fun. God created humor and laughter and Amen. fun and joy, right? And so, but Craig clicked on that button. And there's videos of me in footy pajamas with a monkey, a stuffed monkey in my footy pajamas looking pregnant with a wig singing to the soundtrack of some Disney movie. And oh my goodness, it's embarrassing. <laughs> so he clicked out and thought, oh, she's a little, she's a little strange. And yet he was still intrigued because he had learned on the website that I opened this coffee shop. So when he was down in the cities, two hours for different meetings for youth pastor stuff, he came to the coffee shop, not once, but twice. I call that stalking. He calls it, <laughs> he calls it research. Okay. So, but I was never there after his second meeting at this coffee shop, he goes, um, he goes to a, a youth pastor meeting, a bunch of youth pastors are planning an event. Ironically, oh, this is so cool. I just thought how cool this is. They were planning a mega rally at Bethel College. Do you remember? Oh, wow. Yeah. Old Molly. Okay. Oh my goodness. This is really special. That is <laughs> so they amazing. Were, they were deciding what's, oh my word. I'm having a moment here. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. And they did end up Praise booking God. By the way, I got booked for, I've spoken a couple mega rallies since then. Oh my word. Thank you, God. So Craig was a part of this group deciding who should speak. And someone brought up my name and said, have you guys heard Molly Barnhart speak? And Craig is inside. He's like, Ooh, like he's seeing the vision of me on the website. And he just been to my coffee <laughs> shop. He's feeling totally exposed. He kept his mouth shut. Um, but, but his friend Heather, the girl who I was going to be getting, getting together with, she was at the meeting. And she said, oh, she's on my calendar. We're going to be doing dinner in a couple of weeks. And so Craig pulled her aside. He, they were really good friends. Heather and Craig grew up going to Trout Lake Camp together since since middle school. They're close, close friends. And Heather would consider herself um, as someone that any woman needs to get through before they get to marry Craig. She's kind of like the guard dog. She she knows him well and she loves him a lot. She She gets him. And so anyways... He said, will you go undercover and, and just don't say anything to Molly, but like, tell me what kind of girl she is. Cause I, I got this text. I've been to her coffee shop and now her name comes up. This is just weird. Like he couldn't, he kept hearing my name. And so I go out to dinner with, with the health teacher and Heather, I'm wearing my cheese balls. I'm just trying to be myself. Of course. Yeah. And, um, they asked, you know, Molly, tell us about your life. And I said, well, I feel God's called me to speaking and I, um, but I have this desire to maybe someday marry and partner with a guy who also is, you know, ministry minded. And maybe he's a youth pastor and maybe he does speaking. And I'm describing Craig right now at the table, but Heather's not allowed to say anything. And so she's got like steam coming out of her, you know, orifices of her face. <laughs> like, why does she look so weird? Uh, because she promised she wouldn't say anything. Roxy, the health teacher, had met Craig one time five years ago when he spoke on self-esteem in her health class. I mean, forever ago. And she says, it's like a light bulb. Holy Spirit, we would say. Yep. Spoke to Roxy, Craig Sanborn's name. And she's like, hey, Heather, what about your friend Craig Sanborn? He's single. He's a great guy. He's a youth pastor. He's a speaker. And they started going on and on about all these great qualities about him. And then then they Heather says, you're going to meet this guy. And I'm like, I, how can you be so confident? I didn't know the backstory that Craig already knew who I was. And so, um, so we did, we met, um, we met a couple weeks later 
I gave him a cheese ball and I could share a lot more, Terry, but I'm going to stop so you can ask me any more questions because our whole story could be a book. Um, yeah. There's some really cool God things to it. But yes, I love my husband. Right. Yeah. And guys, you'll read all about it in uh, in Molly's book here. And like you said, you guys got married and then you had two kids. You had yeah. Poppy and Tal. Yeah. And yeah. in a way, especially that first pregnancy, it sounds mm-hmm. like that almost kind of saved your life, Molly. Oh, because you, yeah, you you yeah. Uh, came to find out that you had some health stuff going on. So talk to us a little, little bit about that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yep. That that chapter in the book is called open heart surgery because I thought I was super healthy um, with the little asterisk, you know, oh yeah, she has a minor heart condition. But I, I grew up being told that I had a um, aortic stenosis, which is instead of me having three cusps letting blood back into my heart, I had two and I never felt anything from it. It's like, they just kind of watched me over the years. I was a, a, athlete in three sports. I pushed myself really hard. Um, had a couple like scares where I, I fainted once during a haircut. That was awkward. And <laughs> I almost passed out in a basketball game. So they always would test my heart and I was fine. So when I got to be pregnant and I'm checking all the paperwork of, um, you know, do you have this, this, you know, the 750 items that you have to say, basically, you know, you kind of learn, just say no all the way down, <laughs> just say no. <laughs> but then it got to the heart condition. I'm like, oh, do I? Okay, fine. It's kind of minor. And so I checked it. Well, that led to them just wanting to know a little bit more, which uh, wasn't really going to go anywhere, except that a doctor from the University of Minnesota happened to be literally walking by as my doctor was looking at the chart an hour away from, um, we were at St. Cloud. We were in Saint, at the St. Cloud Hospital. I had got to the St. Cloud Hospital because I wanted to deliver all natural, whatever. I don't know what I was thinking. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I'm I'm a go-getter. I'm going to do this. Yeah, whatever. Nope. Give me the drugs. I thought I wanted to deliver with a midwife, all natural, but I got, I had a cyst develop in my ovary and it was really scary for a couple of weeks. They thought it could impact the baby, but that cyst got us to St. Cloud Hospital. St. Cloud Hospital is where this doctor happened to be just that day happened to see my chart. She knew more about heart stuff. She got me to the University of Minnesota where they did more tests and found out, oh, it's not minor. It's kind of major. And if you go through childbirth, like labor and delivery, that the pushing and the strain could cause a rupture and you could die and so could your baby. So, so many God stories involved there, like so many, so many more than we have time to share right now. But Yep. God, it started with a cyst, which I cried over. It was like, it was like one of those moments, like, I'm not going to have this baby. Like I'm going to, you know, the baby's, it was going to be a miscarriage. And, and yet I believe God allowed that cyst to happen, which ultimately dissolved no big deal, but to get me to the right hospital, to get the doctor to know that I need to have a scheduled C-section and we survived. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) You survived indeed. And my daughter will be 10 in a couple weeks. Hey, praise yeah. God. How yeah. amazing is that? Um, and and yeah, what what amazing kids. I, I haven't met them, but just what you post on social media. I mean, man, they, they were recently uh, Ninja Warriors, right? Yeah. American Ninja Warrior? Well, so, I mean, Ninja. So American Ninja Warrior is the TV show. They 
are have not yet been on the show. We're hoping that when when auditions open up for American Ninja Warrior Junior, they will both try out, and I think they have a really good chance of getting on. So stay tuned. But they were at what was called a a world's competition, a world's finals in Las Vegas, and and there were a lot of kids that were on the show that were there competing, and so we kind of were starstruck. We're like. Oh, that's the, that's that family. And that's that boy. And that's, yeah. And and my kids were competing against them. And my son got 13th out of 88 boys. And those wow. 88 were like the best that had come from all over, which is hard to believe that um, our kids were among that because we just started Ninja two years ago. Another God thing. We, we started doing geocaching. Do you know what geocaching yeah. is? Yeah. Yeah. No one knows if, if you don't know what geocaching is, it is so fun. You there's, catch caches hid all over the world really and you just get a free app on your phone and you go find it with the coordinates and sometimes they have prizes in them you know that people people will put in and so we found a geocache during covid when nothing else was open couldn't do anything and it was a buy one get one free open gym at a ninja gym in the cities and that my kids had been asking can we go to a ninja gym and i'm like no it's too expensive go on the monkey bars like we have a park across the street <laughs> and so god led us to this geocache with this buy one, get one free, which got us in the door, which helped us discover our kids are really good at this and they like it. And so that's become a pretty big deal with our family. That's yeah. awesome. I love it. I love watching the little videos and uh, <laughs> posts that you make there. Um, Molly, let's get into the book here. Oh, Cheese Balls <laughs> for Jesus. Yes. Cheese Balls for Jesus could not be a more fitting title for your book. Tell us about the whole process here, Molly. When did you start to feel this calling on, on, on your life? You know, God kind of saying, okay, it's time to take what you've been through and these yeah. stories that you and I have created together and actually mm -hmm. make a book out of this. Oh, man. Well, so since I started speaking 19 years ago, I was early twenties. Oh my goodness. Ugh, it's been a long time. Um, yeah, I just turned 41. I'm going to choose not to be an adult that cares about their age. Like whatever. That's how old I Let's am. Go. I mean, yep. Ask me in 10 years, maybe I'll deny it, but whatever. For now I'm, I'm, I'm 41. And, um, and I started speaking when I was 22. And so I, uh, been asked for almost 20 years, every time I speak somewhere, Oh, um, do you have a book that that you want to sell? I'm like, no, I have buttons and stickers and keep your pants on shirts and I have free cheese balls. And there's even been people over the last couple of years that just assume I've written a book. And so they're like, we'll have a book table ready for you. I'm like, I don't have a book. And so then people would say, well, when are you going to write a book? Because they'll hear the stories I, sh I share on stage and stories I've shared with friends over the years, which really are amazing God stories. And it's not because of me. It's all God. And yet he's gifted me with these stories. And so I've always told people, I will never write a book until I am absolutely confident that God is the one telling me to do it and that he's calling me. Just like you said before, he, what's the equipping one? What was it? He he doesn't uh, call the equipped. He equips the called. Exactly. I, I wanted to know that he was going to equip me because I have heard writing a book is no small task. And... I mean, I'm a homeschool mom and my husband and I do speaking and, and life. Like I have to do laundry and cook food, which, you know, my specialty is blue box macaroni and cheese, but whatever. So <laughs> put food on the table for my kids. And so yep, I yep. didn't want, I just did not want to go forward unless I knew it was God. Okay. So God just confirmed in many ways 
over the last year, probably starting a little more than a year ago, it's time to do this. Um, one one sweet special way is actually Terry through a counselor. So uh, the things that you say or the questions you ask to those that you meet with, like, can really change the trajectory of their life. And so, because of this significant. Um, experience that my family has been going through. I I was seeing a counselor last year. She's incredible, amazing, strong woman of God, um, will ask all the right questions, remind me of the truth, but also not shy away if she feels God is, is telling her to tell me something. And so she just one day in the counseling session was like, Molly, God is, God is going to enlarge your, your audience. And I just see it like he, I think I I think there might be a book in your future. And I'm like, no, there's not a book in my future. I was like, this is not the time. I'm like trying to get through this hard life stuff. This is not the time to write a book. I'm pretty sure God knows that. But my counselor planted just a couple seeds and I talked to God about it. And he confirmed in lots of ways. And so I started writing. Um, and, oh, and then also I've, I just have always known that if I write a book, there's, I don't, I don't feel like God, maybe he will, but I don't think God's going to call me to write like on a topic because I think there's people out there who are better experts at any, anything I could ever write about really. Maybe not cheese balls though. I can, I am an expert on carrying cheese balls, which is chapter one in the book. Right. So I can yes. do that. But, um, I just, I felt very affirmed and confirmed from God that nobody else can write these stories. These are me and God's stories. And if I write a book, I wanted to bring him glory and I wanted to draw people to him. And while the book may on the cover, maybe because there's me on the scooter, maybe it looks <laughs> I love like that. it's going to be a book like about me in a way. Yes, it is. But ultimately the idea is it points to God. And I, my hope and my prayer is that every chapter does that. And, um, oh my goodness, I just have to tell you this. I, I just got, I got a, a letter from someone who I have never met in prison. And they wrote me a letter. They somehow got a hold of my book and they said that they would be on their bunk crying and laughing and their bunk mates, bunk mate, prison mates thought they were crazy. And he wrote me this heartfelt letter about how my book impacted him and reminded wow. him of his worth and his value and his purpose, regardless of what he's done. I mean, this guy's in prison and he just wrote cheese balls for Jesus and like, I was actually having a bit of a discouraging day that day. And then I get this letter in the mail from a prison. I'm like, ah, uh, okay. Thank you, God. <laughs> it is all Praise about Praise God. Praise yeah. God. And and Molly, the book hasn't even been out that long. When did the no. book come out? Um, September 27th. That is the day. It's going to be like a birthday. I'll have to remember. Yeah. September 27th. Yeah. yeah. And look at that. God, in not even a month, God has already, yeah. man, I'm getting pumped up just talking oh, about this. God yeah. has already spoke through that book, spoke yeah. through your words to somebody out there, to a guy in prison, reminding him yeah. of yeah. who he is in God. Like, yes. praise yeah. God. That is I amazing. I that am is amazing. And Molly, like I honestly had a hard time putting this book down because essentially what this book is, it's a bunch of testimonies. And I mean, that's that's my thing, right? Testimonies with Terry. It's a bunch of testimonies of how God has shown up and come through in your life mm -hmm. in the most amazing of ways. And I left that book, you know, when I was finally on that final chapter, I was just like, 
so encouraged after mm-hmm. each chapter, I was so oh, encouraged and it, um, you know, it, it's been kind of a stressful season for me and reading mm-hmm. through each of those chapters, it just really kind of like rekindled that flame within me oh. as far as just like, man, yeah, if God can do that for Molly, yeah. he can do whatever, you know, I, what I need him to do in this situation right now. So yes. I just want to thank you oh. for writing this book. And yeah. I believe one of the quotes in the book, you said something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing, that God allowed me to have all these experiences because he knew I'd tell people about oh, it. Oh, yes. Yes. And I just <laughs> loved that because, I mean, unless we get a word from the Holy Spirit where he's, for whatever reason, saying, hey, don't tell anyone about this, right. we should be telling people yeah. about what God's doing. Like, yeah. it encourages people. It, yeah. it it inspires faith in people. Um, I just loved like that quote just hit me like a ton of bricks, Molly. It was, it was awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You're basically summing up my life verses, which is Psalm 48 through 10. I'll just share a little bit of it. David says, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your laws within my heart. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. And this is the part I love. David says to God, I will not restrain my lips. Oh Lord, you know. And I'm like, I can picture David being a little bit sassy to God. Like, you know, I'm not going to shut up about you, right? (laughs) You know, Lord. And so I, yeah, I did. I was having coffee with a friend and she said to me, why do you have so many God stories? Like, and I don't think it's that I have more than others. I think maybe I'm just somehow learn to recognize them. And I also pray about all the really ridiculous things too. And the more you pray, the more chance it's like math. It's a ratio thing, really. <laughs> like if you never pray, you'll never see an answered prayer. I have plenty, right. of, plenty of things I've prayed that have not got the answer I was hoping for, but, but still I keep praying and I keep seeing. And so, yeah, I think that I told, I told my friend, I said, I kind of think God maybe lets these things happen in my life because he knows I'm going to tell people and it makes him look good and ultimately draws people to him where they experience hope and joy and peace. And so thank you for reading the book. That is so, that's so exciting. And I was going to tell you that at the end, so you probably recognize that page, page 196. It's one of the last ones. And I basically said, Hey, I just shared 15 God stories start writing down yours. And I didn't know if anyone would ever write them down, but I wrote, I said, if you write it down, take a picture of this page and send it to me. And so I just via Instagram last night, I got a message. My first one, it was so exciting. Someone sent me a message of 15 of her God stories all written out. And I mean, I would definitely not recognize what the stories are. They don't really mean anything to me. They're just yeah. silly little titles, but they're for her to remember. And I can't find it now. So anyways, there, but that was really exciting that she, she had filled it out, sent a picture to me. So now I can rejoice in her stories. Yeah. That is amazing. Molly, like I said, God is already using this book. It's not even a month old and look, look at the impact it's having mm-hmm. on people. Molly, where can people find this book? Where, where can they get a copy for themselves? Well, pretty easy Amazon. So for now, I maybe eventually we'll be able to get all the ordering stuff set up on our website, which is cheeseballchick.com or craigandmolly.com. It all goes to the same thing. Um, or cheeseballsforjesus.com. I have all those domains and they whoo, they get you to the right place. Yep. Um, but for now, just to keep things simple, I'm letting Amazon handle that for me. So I have um, I have the 
paperback and just got hardcover available because my editor, wonderful, another God story. I don't have time to tell, but how I got her, it's amazing. She loves the Lord and just loved working on this book and had so much insight into different things. And and I wasn't going to do hardcover. And she said, oh, you should do hardcover. I'm like, why? I want it to be accessible. I want it to be like just people can get it and pass it on to someone and hardcover is more expensive. She's like, well, just have it as an option because she said, I see people giving the hardcover as a gift. Like hardcover feels kind of like a nice graduation gift or Mother's Day or I mean, really any age, birthday, Christmas. And so hardcover just came out just in time for Christmas. And we have ebook. And I just finished yesterday recording the audiobook at a studio in Minneapolis. So that's being edited and eventually people will be able to hear all the stories from me. Oh man, I love that Molly. I love that. Guys, go out and get yourself a copy now. Like I promise you're going to be encouraged by it. I was tremendously encouraged by it and Molly, I've been encouraged by our conversation. This has been awesome. Um I'm wondering last question as you look back at the goodness of God on your life, what comes my, to mind? My favorite song, by the way. Thank you. Yes, great goodness song. Thank you, okay. uh, Jen Johnson and Bethel uh-huh. Music for that yeah. one. Yes. What so, comes to mind when you reflect on the goodness of God, Molly? Terry, come on. Like, like how could I pick? Goodness <laughs> of God. Okay. So, okay. I'm just going to go with what came to my mind. And it's actually not my story. Um, I was speaking at a women's event um, in the spring. And I shared the stage with a, a woman who was much older and had many more years of experience than me in life and in speaking and sharing. And she shared uh, this heart-wrenching story about how when she was a young mom married to you know the man that she had dreamed of and God had provided a pastor, he died uh, just all of a sudden and was taken from her and left her with these young kids to raise. And so she shares this whole story of heartbreak and heartache. And then there were more things throughout her life of hard times, but then, and, and, but there was a redemption at the end and it was beautiful. But then she came down from the stage and she's right in front of me and we start singing the goodness of God. And she is, she is hands in the air, belting out, all my life, you have been faithful, you know, all my life. And I'm, it was this moment of, okay, she just talked about her husband died and this happened and that happened and all these trials. And yet she's belting out for the, is that how you say it? Belting out for the whole, everyone to hear all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. And, and it's a perspective that I think God can give us if we ask. And so if, if someone's struggling to see the goodness of God, ask him to give you eyes to see because this woman who's been through so much hardship was declaring at the top of her lungs, all my life, God has been faithful. And he is, and he will be. Yeah, man, man. I love that, Molly. I love that. Molly, this has been so awesome. Thank you for being gracious with your time in in chatting with me. How can people find you on social media? You have probably the most positive TikTok and Instagram game that I've ever seen. So how can people find you? You're so sweet. Well, you said two of them. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I post a daily video on TikTok and then I reshare it on Facebook and Instagram. So you don't have to be on TikTok to find me. In fact, I say, you know what? 
maybe you shouldn't be on TikTok. Talk to the Lord about that. Like I'm on TikTok because God told me to be. And I was like, really God, really? But yeah, so I, I post these videos to be a bright light. And it's been amazing to see the like people I don't know. I'm getting to talk about how you become a Christian and encourage them. And so yeah, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Cheeseball Chick. And um, I also have some YouTube stuff. I don't have, that's maybe some like longer messages and things, but the daily stuff I do. And uh, people wonder how on earth do I do that as a homeschool mom and these things. My kids go to a co-op on Thursdays at uh, like a church. They do homeschool academic stuff. And that is my day to pull out 20 different shirts and a couple hats and, and hair stuff. And I will change my outfit 20 times and make like 20 different videos <laughs> because my house is quiet. And so if you look really close at my videos, you might be able to see she just moved the camera a little bit and she has a different shirt on. But yeah, because I want to give the illusion that I'm doing it every day. Um, but no, a lot of them are done back to back. Sometimes they're on the fly. Sometimes it's something I think of or God gives to me. But I do it because God has asked me to do it and I'll do it as long as he has asked me to do it. And it means a lot when people tell me that it, it, they appreciate it because it is, it's a lot of work to, to do that, but I'm trying to be faithful to the Lord. So yeah, thank you for sharing that you've been encouraged. Yes. Yes. It'll definitely brighten your day guys. Go check it out. Molly, again, this has been just awesome getting to reconnect with you. We'll have to do that again. Maybe we won't have to wait, you know, seven or eight years the next time, huh? (laughs) Thank you, Terry. And God bless you and your ministry and and what he's doing through you. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Yeah. God bless you guys too. Thanks. Molly is one of the most positive people I know, and it's not a fake positivity. It's a genuine and authentic joy that can only come from Christ. Her heart truly is to love people into a relationship with Jesus, and I think it's fair to say that she is successfully doing that. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus yourself, you just got to start with believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life. That will begin the greatest adventure of your life, and you'll be able to experience the same joy and hope that Molly has. If you have any questions about getting started in your walk with Christ, send me a DM or email me at twterrypod at gmail.com, and I'd love to help and pray for you any way I can. Go to Amazon.com to order your copy of Cheeseballs for Jesus, follow Molly on social media at CheeseballChick, and go to CraigAndMolly.com to book Molly or Molly and Craig to speak at your event. They speak on a variety of different topics to people of all ages, and I know you'll be blessed by having them as part of your event. And if you have any questions for Molly about her testimony, send me a DM or use the hashtag AskTWT on social media. Well, that wraps it up for this week's episode. And if you guys were blessed by Molly's testimony, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to help others easily find Molly's story. Thanks, guys. And in closing, make sure you're living life in such a way that glorifies God and kicks Satan's butt. Peace.